zero hours. Catherine Mather. Ow! Zero hours! Hello and welcome to Zero Hours Podcast with me, Catherine Mather, where I speak to comedians and creatives about the best and worst jobs they've had to do to get by. Today I'm joined by comedian, writer and copywriter, Andrea Hubert. How are you doing? I'm well, how are you? So well. I'm so good. Um, <laughs> with the, this is uh, the second try uh, of recording this, isn't it? Because sweet lady internet has not been kind to us. Well, I, also I was in the attic. That probably didn't help. Yeah. Oh, I'm in an attic. Maybe that's oh, the problem. That, that could well. That was double attic. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's the, not gonna. That's not a great recipe for podcast success. It isn't. But we both live in a city. <laughs> and I just think that it's unfair boasting that... about our attic houses <laughs> <laughs> it's not fair that internet is bad in a city is it you know I mean I'm not gonna I'm not necessarily gonna agree with that because I think that it might be that there are places worse off <laughs> maybe but I hear you what you're saying is I pay for internet and I should get it to be working yes. yeah Oh yeah, I'm not saying that I'm the worst person off in the world. <laughs> no, I just, I'm thinking to myself, God, am I going to start going, yeah, God, internet's a nightmare. I'm having a really bad day, guys. I don't know if I wanted to start like that. Fair enough. I, I will take that bullet. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> a whingy bitch. <laughs> About the fucking internet. Um, God damn it. Uh, anyway. Um, uh, well, I mean, we should let let's get on to to what the the people are paying for. Um, what what oh the God, people are they paying, Catherine? The pressure is unbelievable. No, no, no one is. Okay, good. This, I've hemorrhaged. And they will money. they will get what they pay for then in that case. <laughs> and that's what they've been getting for four long years. Wow, <laughs> so, hemorrhage money on this project. Um, I love the word hemorrhage, and I like that you've said it a few times now. <laughs> I just I just really need people to start putting into the Patreon that I don't tell them about. Oh god, um, yeah. Well, why why would you tell them? No, I'm the same. <laughs> That's how I do my own personal branding. I just sort of like I'm like I'm great guys whispered and hope people hear me. Yeah. <laughs> Have you got a Patreon? I absolutely do not. No. Do you agree with them? Oh, I haven't given it any real thought. I guess I do agree with them. Why would I not agree with them? Are they bad? Yeah, well, uh, no, I don't think so. Well, um, what to not agree with? Well, yeah, that's it, isn't it? I just, I, di- I didn't know if it was a, a moral standpoint that you didn't have one or if it was just that you don't have one. Do you think that you get a moral standpoint on everything or do you think that you skip a few? I think I've skipped this one. Like, I <laughs> I don't think I've taken a moral stance on, on Patreon. I think that <laughs> if it's going to make you money, you should absolutely make yourself some money. A hundred percent. But they do cut the rainforests down. To oh, you saved that till the last, didn't you? To hunt children. I, I don't oh, know. oh wow. Okay, that's not true. I really <laughs> believed you for a second. I'm like, oh, Patreon. That's so bad. Yeah, that's really naughty. Uh, I was really going to take it all back, but now I'm very befuddled. 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 Yeah, I'm so sorry. I'm really confused in things here. Yeah. I don't think they do do that because they're on the internet, aren't they? Well, not yeah, in- I mean. That doesn't preclude people from being evil but no I think but I think that that means that they would have to do it entirely out of malice 
because <laughs> <laughs> look are you saying that you've never met people who in addition to being loving people uh, with great businesses also have a side side business where they just do things out of malice <laughs> but I've met so many people who do that mostly toddlers but I really I really do think it's a thing a human a human flaw if you will I agree I think we're all really horrible yeah about... I just written a character that's doing a uh, having a baby out of malice really yeah it's a pretty uh it's a pretty strong character to make your protagonist <laughs> That sounds like such a good character though. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Because I know so many people. It sounds ridiculous, but I know so many people in real life that would have a baby out of malice. Yeah, it's it's yeah, I guess it's more like a hate baby or like mm. a like a revenge baby. I don't know. It's hard to say yet. We haven't written the thing yet, but we're just uh, we're just mapping out the character and that's their reason for having a baby. Oh, perfect. Because I mean, who can honestly say that they've not that they wouldn't be that person, you know? I mean, I think that if you were brought up in the household that we've created for this character, you might well have a hate baby. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just to show, just to show them all. Although, you know, who them are never really gets established. No, I think there should be more hate babies. I think it would be healthy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not agreeing with you. I'm, no. just enjoying, I'm enjoying the concept percolating out into the universe. Would it be healthy, Catherine? No, no, it wouldn't. But uh, it would be comedic, which is what we were going for. <laughs> it would be no less unhealthy than the many reasons. And the love babies. Yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right. You're so right. <laughs> anyway, uh, I, I do apologise uh, for, for talking so much. For the Tell detail. Yeah. Um, what what what's your worst job in Andrea? Oh, um, I've done a lot of really weird jobs. I think. Um, <gasps> but my very my very worst job, I think, was when I used to go after school. And when I lived in Harrow, there was this um, chocolate packing factory mm. that used to um, pack Christmas like Christmas chocolates. You know, like um. Santas inside turkeys and turkeys inside Santas you know like the Santas would be chocolate inside like a fluffy toy turkey and vice versa okay or like you know chocolate baubles inside a fluffy bauble that kind of thing yeah and um and you got paid like however much per packed turkey and I was there and it was just me and a bunch of very very old ladies and I would work for like five hours after school and everyone got turned with the radio except for me oh no because because I was like the outlier and so all the old ladies got their turn and like it was a variety of things but it was never anything that I wanted and um and one day this is terrible one day I just had a really bad day and I, I cut myself and there was no like first aid so I just sort of carried on working sort of freely bleeding into the turkey and uh, <laughs> I know oh. later on I saw those turkeys in a well-known shop mm. and I was pleased with what I had done <laughs> Oh, that's nothing embodies. It was just the most monotonous. Yeah, well, doesn't it just? Yeah, it was just the most monotonous thing I've ever done in my life. And also, at the end of one week, I got this. Uh, I got this check for like four pounds because I hadn't packed very fast. Oh no! You know, well, it was just the most depressing. You know, when Rachel gets her her check in friends, and it's just like, why would they take all my money? I was like, really, four pounds? Four pounds for listening to a variety of old lady, you know, radio stations for. The past five weeks it was just mortifying I think I left that day 
Oh god. So it was performance based. It wasn't an <laughs> hourly rate. That well, yeah, and I don't do well if it's performance based, which is ironic because I do stand up. <laughs> <laughs> but if it's like if it's like piecework, I am just very slow as a person. I'm just a slow mover. <laughs> to be fair same yeah I'm just not I'm not lightning by any means maybe like maybe verbally occasionally but certainly not like bodily or physically in any way <laughs> oh my god so I assume that that wasn't that has to have been seasonal work that was seasonal work yeah okay. thank you <laughs> good Although, you know, it kind of went on through, the, the factory was all through the year. So like I could mm. work all year. There's Easter, Catherine, there's St. Valentine's Day. <laughs> oh my God. It's seasonal so much as it is like driven by Hallmark. Right, solid. So <laughs> what, what other things, tell me, what other events are there? Yeah, yeah you know, there's, uh, you know, there's um, all sorts of christenings and, you know, <laughs> just general celebrations of all the, the many peoples in our great in our great nation there's a lot of holidays <laughs> wow yeah oh god so well okay that sounds rough so is that your first your first uh step into employment that was my first step into employment well no my first step into employment was working at like this little summer camp that my mum ran for children mm. when I was about 13 years old or 12 and that was quite that was actually fun that was like singing and acting and dancing and then and art and craft and I was in the arts and crafts room and I had favorites like hardcore favorites of the kids um and it was just it was quite a fun way to earn a bit of money I think I was very very exploited in terms of the actual amount of money but she seemed to have got a family discount perfect were you um so you picked your favorites of the children yeah and then was it was it obvious like you mean yeah, to the other well, not, like, not in a creepy way, Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't hanging around desperate to be their friend. It was more that they just got extra, like, oh, you need the glue. We'll give it, <laughs> Gertrude's got the glue. Get, let's get the glue from Gertrude and give it to Kelly. You know, I very much, I, uh, being a Gertrude myself, I very much favoured the cheerleader children. Got you. So you weren't like, do you want to get a, a drink after camp? No, no, I wasn't, I wasn't like inviting them out, uh, you know, <laughs> but... But some of them, like, they were so cute that I would, like, try and make friends with their mums. Yeah, I was a weird 12-year-old. I was like, thanks for pointing that out. <laughs> I was. <laughs> and, then, and they'd just be like, who's this child making friends with me about my children? It's very, very weird. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. I think that's, you're just trying to, because you, were you the only uh sort of child employee no, there? Was there. A, there was another exploited child, middle-class child employee called Darren, who, whose mum also worked there okay yeah. did um, you get along with Darren yeah we got on very well it was fun we had fun it was a fun first job uh, it made me realize I did not want to be a teacher yeah yeah that you could not pay me enough to do that and they don't no they really <laughs> really don't, really don't. <laughs> it sounds awful like I think you really could pay me enough to be a teacher yeah I think that there are so if you were paying me like banker level money to be a teacher and and, and I had to teach I could do the, the bad parts of the job because I think there are some perks to being a teacher like what I, I feel again it would boil down to favorites like, <laughs> I, I feel like there would be just a lot of psychological power playing going on from me to them and vice versa I just think I could get a lot out of it yeah fair enough um, yeah. what, a room full of people that are basically your audience that 
you're either entertaining or failing to entertain slash make learn. Uh, I just don't see how it's that different. <laughs> it's all about power, Catherine. True. What subject subject do you think you'd teach? Um, oh, something something like the only thing I was really interested at school was English and art. So I'd probably do English because I wasn't very good at art. Yeah, fair enough. I was very enthusiastic, but not tremendously talented. Well, you know, I think enthusiasm is half the battle, right? <laughs> I think you're right. I should remember that more. Yeah. And, and you, you know, those who can't do, teach. Oh, cry and fail. Sorry. Oh. I, yeah. No, of course, teach. It's teach. Of course it's teach. <laughs> so um, you are at the, at the four pound factory. Can I just ask, are we going like through forensically my entire like um, working life? No, <laughs> we don't have to. I just, I just... It, it can be quite dark. Uh, there, yeah. there were some really dark temping days where it was just, I think, existentially very dreadful. Mm. Well, I think everybody has had those. If we've learned anything on this podcast over the past four years. It's it's being that, alive and earning a living is tragic and hard. It is, and everyone has had that period where they're like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Um, so what, I think because the worst job is in, there are many different ways a job can be the worst one, right? God, that's true. That is really true. So what's your, your highlight? like? if you had to pick you you know like for the many reasons what what's the I mean. best job I've ever had no well low light I guess should have been the word I used there what so the the worst job I've ever had or the lowest point I've ever had <laughs> job like talk about the <laughs> lowest point I've ever had or the lowest point yeah. I've ever had at work these are different things Catherine <laughs> can I have uh, your lowest point and then we're going to try be having it monetize right <laughs> You'd like me to tell you my lowest point at work at any job? I get just your, your worst jobs. What what are they? God. <laughs> that and, you and, my low, and my very lowest point at them. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> difficult, man, because sometimes your worst job is your best job. Like I used to work as a waitress at TGI Fridays and I made some really good friends there and had so much fun and did many, many, can you bleep out and uh and my lowest points were also there you know it was all so dramatic um, but no actually that was a fun job I am um, I'm trying to think of really bad jobs I've had I've I've worked with incredibly difficult people like I used to be a journalist right and um and I was a journalist at like a red top paper yeah that was my first job in journalism and they would they would say the most I won't tell you the paper it was just in case I'm not allowed to mm. Um, but it was and uh, and it, it just I wasn't really supposed to be there in that I just didn't know what I was signing up for at all I wanted to be a writer and I think I wanted to be a comedian but I couldn't quite get myself there and um, and I ended up like on the news desk of the Sunday Express being like doorstepping people who just lost a son finding stories on long dead Diana like like scrabbling around doing the most awful things. I was working with people who are now like really hardcore famous right-wing pundits. It was the most terrifying place on earth. And all 
I was good at was just writing prose and doing interviews. So I tried to do as much of that as possible, <laughs> moved as quickly as I could to the women's desk, but just like constantly being yelled at and constantly being sort of like just sort of low level, high level bullying all the time. It was a very insane place to work. Wow, that sounds rough. And that's yeah, difficult. Was a, that's well, rough. it was difficult. Like I didn't like I was working on um on the day that the uh you know the um July the seventh bombings. Oh shit, yeah. And I ended up because I was living in that area at the time, I ended up uh sort of stopping and, and interviewing people that came out of the um out of Liverpool Street Station. And we were just sort of all scrabbling around because I'd been walking to work that day and I sort of stopped, saw that everything was happening. And as people were coming out, I remember it really clearly. This woman came up to me, she had glass in her hair. It was her first day in London at her new job. Oh, no. And this guy from, I can't remember which uh, outlet, Sky or News or something, was kind of trying to get me out the way so that he could film her. And I just thought, this is just weird and wrong. I know he's got to do it and I know it's important but she's in complete shock. And so I kind of just took her away from the throng yeah. and kind of sat her down. I wasn't a good journalist is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I was a really bad journalist because I just, at that moment, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. It's just weird. Yeah, maybe not a, not a good journalist, but a good person. Well, I mean, I think you can be both. Yes. <laughs> but I definitely was not uh, great at that kind of hardcore news reporting. It was so, you know, you really have to be a certain type of person. Yeah, to, I guess, look at tragedy and see um, an opportunity. I don't, I, look, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that characterization. I think that what they're doing is important. I mm. just don't think I was right for it. I, I was just like like in tears just do you know what I mean just like feeling it all being so sensitive and pathetic and I could not do the job at hand and, uh, and I think it's important that people can you know yeah of course uh, but um, there I, I know exactly what you mean but yeah uh, not for me <laughs> you know I'd rather just go on stage and you know, talk about my bad day or something yeah fuck that's um god that was a long time ago wasn't it the Seven, seven. Yeah, I was, I was very, uh, yeah, it was my first job. It was crazy. <laughs> it was absolutely crazy. Yeah. What a thing to be. Because as well, I think if you're, if it's your first job, sort of proper job and, you know, journalist at a big newspaper sounds like such a, a good and exciting prospect that to then be met with the disappointment of it being horrible must be hard to work with? Um, it's a really interesting question. I never really thought about it like that. It was, I, no, I mean, I did think about it. Obviously one feels like one has failed when one can't sort of make something work. And I completely get that. Mm. But I, I, I think it's really important to sort of also not necessarily, you're like, if you think about the thing that you have to do to be successful in something and you're not only you're not sort of good at it, but you don't want to get good at it. You want, you feel strongly that you want to get good at something else. Yeah. It's not so disappointing. You know what I mean? And then I sort of carried on being a journalist, but just doing the stuff I wanted, you know, like features and interviews and things that I liked and that I was like, I guess, good at. So it sort of ended up being okay. Yeah. So how long were you there for? I was there for like a couple of years and then I freelanced for like other papers and stuff for a, a quite a long time. 
in fact I, I, I still carried on doing that when I started comedy for a little bit but if you don't keep up your contacts it all sort of dries up and uh, I definitely didn't do that yeah so what, what was the thing that gave you the push ha- having said that though recently I did meet up with a bunch of girls from my very first job and it was so lovely to see them they're all like quite high-powered journalists now oh amazing yeah it was really nice <laughs> that's good that you've um that you can still do that well, it was really nice to see them, but we were sort of, it was around that time that like, um, well, it's around the time now where we were just like these four white girls sitting there having wine. And um, like I had ordered Prosecco as a treat and it was flat, right? And they were all like, Andrew, we can't ask for the manager anymore. And I was like, no, I know. And we all just sat there like, but I really, I really want to change it. And we all discussed it like really academically and decided we weren't going to. <laughs> very ridiculous scenario I've seen all these people screaming about deadlines (laughs) oh no we'll just not enjoy it don't worry it's fine I'll just I just won't enjoy it and I will just hopefully be okay (laughs) I'll pay 30 pounds for this six pound bottle of Prosecco it was just a glass and that's exactly what happened (laughs) that's exactly what happened your your northern soul must be screaming right now at me (laughs) no I honestly don't think I would uh, complain either Uh, I'm an absolute pussy when it comes to stuff like that but yeah that was the uh that was the journalism portion of my life it was a fraught with horror oh god and tension and stress it was really not pleasant but doing features was nice doing features was really nice like doing features for sort of uh yeah like features it's the kind of fluffier end of it you know yeah so what was the what was the thing that gave you the push to go freelance was it doing more features or was there it was no it was losing my job Catherine okay (laughs) at the express when they said what I said which is you're really not cut out for this you should go and do features somewhere got yeah I (laughs) see so it wasn't a gave me this miraculous push where I decided of my own free will that I would definitely be leaving at the end of my contract (laughs) fair enough (laughs) (laughs) were were you a bit relieved that you were out it was actually a very weird scenario it was was a long time ago but um there was a, a really scary journalist I won't obviously say any names but I uh, like really this time there was a scary journalist yeah. who like sent around this weird rumor that I'd been stealing things from like you know they get like freebie cupboards and like and yeah. selling them on on eBay and obviously I hadn't I hadn't done that no. and I, I went and sort of and I went and somebody said to me listen everyone's talking that you that this is happening and, and you're going to get fired because of it and I was like okay um so I went and said to this woman I was like what is this have you done this like I thought this is something that people did in you know like in Blighton books like rumors and stuff I was like Mm. properly blindsided that a grown woman and she's like oh I thought it was true I was like well you you made it up out of your mouth so no no you didn't and I didn't know what to say and then I then I had this like meeting where they were like we're terminating your contract and I said is it because you think I'm a thief and they're like no and I was like okay and it was all just so bizarre I was like, okay, well, and then I took a stapler because I was like, you know, fuck him. (laughs) Yeah. It was all very, yeah, it was a long time ago, but it was very, very weird. And so, yeah, that that gave me the impetus I needed to decide (laughs) on my own terms to leave. Of course. Isn't it weird when you become an adult and then you realise that everyone's still a child? 
still a child everyone I mean myself included of course but yeah 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 like hopefully to lesser degree than like rumor mill lady or whoever else spread the rumor without actually telling me it was all very I hadn't actually thought about this in so many years it's very weird that is so strange especially if there's legitimate reasons to get you fired (laughs) why (laughs) why make it much I had sold so many things on ebay it would have been a, a great little earner yeah of course so that was one of the one of the worst ones what it was definitely a scary one scary um how was how was freelancing because I know that that can then bring with it its own terror I mean freelancing is is fine Catherine, I recommend everyone does freelancing. Like I, uh, it's great. You can just, I, I mostly just work for people who know people I know and uh, occasionally agencies. And it's sort of, it's good. It's not, the one thing that is sort of scary is like asking for what the money that you actually want, you know, because I know that like sometimes they say men will just ask for the salary they want. So I started trying it and and it's it's better, you know, mm. like talking about money. It took me about 10 years to be able to talk about money and now I can actually do it. Um and that that's quite nice. But um yeah freelance freelance journalism was um was interesting. Yeah I, I became a freelance film critic for the London Light for a bit and uh I, I got to sort of go to loads of, you know, film screenings in the middle of the day with all the sort of grumpy old men film critics, which was fun. Oh, that sounds amazing. But that wasn't the worst, no. It was, uh, you, you want worst, don't you? I'm just like, oh yeah, that was really nice. No, <laughs> I'm, trying to think, I'm trying to think of like, like I, I um, I've, I've had loads of like different office jobs in copywriting. I've, I've worked with some, I've worked with some crazy sort of you know like those managers for whom I did I had this one manager at one of my last jobs who just took sort of an instant dislike to me and with a little bit of distance I can sort of see some of it (laughs) (laughs) like with some distance not a total bitch I mean she was crazy bitch but like Mm. there's no denying that that also can apply to me on occasion so um (laughs) Like I think one has to be honest with oneself. Hmm. Um, yeah. But at the time, she was doing. She was sort of really driving me crazy by picking apart everything that I did. And um, so I, I did that I, again. In terms of like being in Blighton, this is pretty in Blighton. But I sort of set this little trap for her where I'd been given the exact same piece of work to do with a few subtle changes as one of the other writers who she really liked. Yeah. And so I took this other girl's work and I handed it in as my own and this work had been passed and approved with no changes and she ripped it to pieces (laughs) so I put that in my portfolio of things that she was doing to gaslight me and make me feel like insane so that when the inevitable um, showdown came uh, I had all this proof which was sort of quite bizarre thing to I, I, it's starting to sound like I'm a really competitive person. I'm not at all. <laughs> no. I'm very, very easily bullied, but like, like so <laughs> easily bullied. But it was just one of those things. I didn't really do anything with the information. Like I never told her I did it and I didn't like tell the boss. I did tell one person, but it wasn't like this thing that I, I needed to prove to myself that I wasn't going mad and that I hadn't, when she came, suddenly become this terrible, terrible, terrible writer, you know? Yeah, uh, that was an interesting. But I, yeah, I think I might be susceptible to like having in the past. Like, just I'm so easily easy to bully. I don't know that people would necessarily think that meeting me, but I think I might be. Well, I, I guess as an adult, 
you assume that people don't bully anymore. Yeah, so you don't notice it until it's sort of halfway through and you're like, oh my God, I'm being bullied. Wow, I should do something about this. Is it too late to stick up for myself? You know? Yeah. It's it's well. it be. <laughs> Oh no, not again. Damn, now I'm just bullied. <laughs> it's really annoying. But I think that's um, a good thing that you did getting the information together because I think a lot of the times people who are bullies have an answer for everything don't they well I mean I I wouldn't have known like had I sort of shown her what I'd done I don't know what I couldn't imagine like what she could possibly have said about it do you know what I mean apart from I don't know what like I would have just gone hands up you're right I don't like you I wouldn't have been able to get out of it I wouldn't have had the energy no. So I just didn't want to put either of us in that position. I just wanted to know for my own peace of mind that I wasn't going mad and I suddenly hadn't started writing really badly. <laughs> I hope you had it in a big folder with like Andrea's well, not mad folder. Yeah, yeah. A- a- Andrea's proof of gaslighting. No, <laughs> what what I did was I actually I said I had a big folder, but I didn't. I just had a very, very, very thin folder with just that piece of evidence in it. But uh, mm. when it when it came down to it, I did uh, sort of bluff my way through uh six months of evidence and uh and that sort of seemed to help uh, in in the end yeah I wonder what the uh what those people who are like that what how how they I'd love to hear how they justify their actions well as I said I don't necessarily think that I made it the easiest But also, I think that, yeah, I don't think they justify their actions. I think people have things that they have unresolved as humans that they take into the workplace. And once those things are resolved or never resolved, but I bump into this person from time to time. (laughs) And I always, because I was so angry at the time, I had these fantasies of what would happen if I bumped into her. And then I ended up bumping into her in, in, you know, where we live, which is like a really beautiful area. And I was just like, oh, hi how are you oh is this your dog he's so cute so nice to see you let's totally do coffee it was ridiculous but also you know one moves forward like yeah it's not good to hold on but to I was but I was just like oh sorry former Andrea that I didn't you know I, I had so many things that I planned to say to her like if her husband was with her I was going to tell her that she had talked to me about you know potentially splitting from him I was going to say so many things and in the end like I just you know I'm a bitch but I'm not that much of a bitch <laughs> I, I wasn't going to do it but once you realize that your fantasies are just fantasies they go away yeah is that the the kind of repair that yeah. <laughs> oh yeah do you think that was just healing oh god how depressing. <laughs> oh no never oh, heal. I was a bigger person it was so annoying <laughs> and also probably it was about time <laughs> yes <laughs> never heal uh is no, the, never is heal, the, always stay angry <laughs> that's the motto of this podcast <laughs> gonna, gonna get it printed sorry, on. have i been too positive i'm sorry no no i'm, I'm gonna get that printed on t-shirts um <laughs> No, it is nice to have some positivity as well, because um, it can be quite a negative uh, po- podcast. But at what point did uh, comedy kind of come into the equation, and was it a sort of relief, uh, release from uh, horrible? 
yeah definitely jobs. like I I just started doing comedy sort of while I was doing copywriting and I did it sort of after a breakup yeah and also I'd started doing this storytelling thing and I'd always wanted to do it but I'd never really done it I hadn't really got any confidence I still don't have very much and it's it just sort of started like that so for the whole time that I was starting off I was working full-time as a copywriter at a company and doing comedy pretty much every night and it was amazing like it yeah. was it was nice to, yeah it was hard work because of the day job but and the, and the relentless bullying <laughs> <laughs> but it came in and it was it was suddenly like oh yeah if I keep working really hard I don't have to always do the day job yeah so had you wanted to do comedy before or how did you I'd end? always wanted to write comedy and I sort of originally got into it because I thought well I'm I can maybe write some stuff and then when I started that you kind of it was very clear that you had to perform it mm. and I was really scared to perform it but I just did it and from then on I sort of really enjoyed performing it and yeah. sort of it's you know Sarah Millican said you know not everyone is sort of throwing themselves about from an early age but you can you kind of learn what kind of performance goes with the jokes you want to write and it's been amazing I think don't you do you know what I mean yeah, yeah. and I think did you ever get the you can't do it because you're quiet or you're shy or whatever type um, you're an introvert type thing I don't think anyone would describe me as an introvert I am one but most mm. I, I've sort of masked it so very well <laughs> that <laughs> I don't think that like, I I would say that to myself but like not really because I think I may be half half you know half introvert half extrovert like I want to be there do you know what I mean and I think mm. anyone who wants to be there whether they're introvert you can like I, I would say you're an introvert maybe but you want to be there so you can't be like 100% introvert yeah that's true I think you must have a percentage more than you probably realize that wants yeah. to be up there and wants like I always think that that's what heckles and mean comments and and here's a joke for you and and anything to do with it I think everyone even the most hardcore introvert wants one moment of people looking and listening I think you know that's why people start a business to be in control to make sure people listen you know I think everyone wants it a little bit yeah I suppose it's status right mm, maybe status or maybe just being heard I don't know but yeah maybe a bit of status yeah you're probably right about that yeah so at what point did you know that you wanted to do comedy as a job pretty much as soon as I started it was yeah. so exciting what about you I oh my god like years I think yeah just because I didn't think anyone would want me to do it you know beyond just being a a a hobby really uh, yeah no I I pretty much wanted to as soon as I did it I discovered this whole like world and I just wanted to do it yeah, yeah. and and be a part of it and be making people laugh and also I just didn't want to be in an office. It was so boring. It all feels like, I don't, like it's not that I, I like some of the jobs that you do, like when you're copywriting, it gets to be really creative and it can be really, really fun and exciting in that context, but it, it, it doesn't compare exciting wise, you know what I mean? 
Yeah, absolutely. The, I think the highs are the highest you'll ever feel and the lows are the lowest. Are pretty low. Well, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> there's nothing like handing in your work and watching it get marked and given a D when you know it's an A plus work. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then I guess that could just describe a bad gig. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what's, what would you say your, your best and worst gig is? Best and worst gig? Yeah. Um, I guess the worst gig I ever had was the famous Butlins gig. Uh, <gasps> I don't know if you ever done it. No. Have you ever done it? No. It's, um, they do this thing every year called the Butlins Madness Weekender. Right. And every year they have like sort of comics who can handle it and then one who does so badly that it scars them for life. And <laughs> there's quite a lot of us in that club now. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, we don't talk about it. Um, we know who we are. We, yeah. we don't talk about it. Why, why would you book me for that? why I would never like what madness crowd is a very specific type of uh, bald man and uh, <laughs> they're just not up for it and that's okay they like I was very glad that they had all the other really good you know like really strong sort of people who could handle 1800 madness fans in a room and then me sort of in my fourth year of comedy completely ill-equipped I got I I mean, it was, the heckling was like nothing you've ever seen. Oh, no. There was some, there was about a hundred people liking me in a room full of 1800 mm -hmm. people. And then oh. uh, <laughs> I, got a, I got a pint glass thrown at me. I got called <gasps> more times than I can imagine. Um, I came off after about 10 minutes because some women wanted to beat me up so hard. <laughs> they were, they were like getting together a group. So they sort of escorted me out the back and oh, through the, God. through the like, you know, just whatever and to the bus. That takes you to the station and yeah. I sat on that bus and the bus wasn't leaving for like I think it was probably about 20 minutes but it felt like a thousand years <laughs> I sat on there like just the most tense person in the world just looking around for these women as soon as the engine started and the doors closed and he starts driving I burst into tears oh. and I didn't stop till I got home about four hours later <laughs> it oh. was it was so harrowing I mean I got straight back on stage that night I went right to a gig but I didn't love it uh, but it was just one of those things where you're like, okay, this is the most intense experience I think I'll have. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's, at least you've got a benchmark then, haven't you? For... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you know, like a, a horde of women didn't try to beat me up. So I guess it's not the worst thing. Yeah. It, well, exactly. Do you know what I, mean? I, I, I escaped without having to run away. Yeah. What yeah, was their issue? I wasn't funny okay yeah but it was I mean, very serious for them like they were furious with me wow god imagine caring that much about something I mean I, I I'm gonna go ahead and assume they were slightly drunk because <laughs> I just don't think soberly you can possibly think not laughing for the 12 minutes I managed to stay on stage <laughs> constitutes a beating but I don't know. I'm not the one who's mad about madness. That seems like madness to me. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you'd hope they were drunk, wouldn't you? I, I will. I would be very disappointed if they were sober. Yeah. But also impressed. Impressed how much they cared. <laughs> did it? Did it have to be madness themed? You said. Uh, it certainly wasn't, Catherine. It certainly <laughs> wasn't. It was. Uh, <laughs> it was it was actually, uh, I can't remember what the theme of my set was. It certainly wasn't anything that they enjoyed. <laughs> Maybe that's why they were so angry. It took Tell everything me. I had not to cry in front of the other comedians when I came off stage. Oh, my God. Oh. They still tease me about it. 
who did well that night i oh, doing that one in there everyone M&Ms. but me everyone oh, but me oh god that's the worst as well isn't it yeah it was a it was a it was um it was a learning curve you're like oh yes yeah, it is definitely it was definitely me it was <laughs> <laughs> yeah no no question it was legendary i'm sure they still talk about it <laughs> <laughs> oh right. so then what was the the best one you've done oh, i don't know that one's a, that's a tricky question there have been so many nice ones um I don't know, Catherine. What's your best one? Well, I think there's different best ones, isn't there? Because there's one that was definitely not my best performance, but it's where you feel like you grew the most. Oh, yeah, yeah. I I did have one where, you know, when you're just like, I was doing some kind of battle poetry thing uh, and I was on team comedy. Yeah. And this guy who I'm friendly with came up and he did like this amazing, 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 amazing set. Like it was just stupendous. He's really talented. Yeah. And he he went off and I was following him and it was, you know, whatever. And this guy just goes, follow that. <laughs> and I and I said, I will, that's the nature of the night. <laughs> <laughs> And from then on, I could do no wrong because everyone was like, yeah, shut up, leave her alone. <laughs> and I, I did very well. It was all good. But it was more just like, yeah, of course I'm going to follow him. It was like, it was like my, I can't remember one of my uh, junglers tryouts where I went on and I was like, you know, you have to really steal yourself up to do those gigs, right? When you're very yeah. new. And, you know, and you're told they're so scary, they're this or that, and you've been doing really well. And, and this is something that you have to get through. And you know exactly how to walk on stage. You've got a confident, no nonsense. And I did all those things. And I get to the mic. And then some guy who I assume thought he was being helpful was like, go on, love, don't be scared. You can do it. <laughs> and I was like, I know I can, but no one's going to think I can now. Like, they're all going to just seem undermine me. I'm so annoying. <laughs> Very disappointing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So that was like, oh, you've undermined me with your good intentions, you idiot. (laughs) How was it? Because I hear those gigs were horrendous. They were horrendous. They were difficult. They were very difficult. But, you know, I think a difficult gig is so important. Like, I don't know why you would ever only want to do good gigs. Like, what? Mm. You know, I don't mean that you want to do mostly bad gigs, but (laughs) you don't have any horror stories to tell. I don't know how you could possibly know how to do better next time no if you've not lived if, if you've not had to leave a venue via the fire escape <laughs> what, what are you doing yeah what are you doing with your life seriously <laughs> I don't really think that but yeah you know what I mean yeah in terms no, of like in terms of having a, a learning curve or whatever like I think maybe I'd had a hundred gigs where someone had done so well before me that it, it rocked me and then this one where I knew what to say you know, like uh, over the years, you know, you kind of, so I don't know, maybe that was a great gig because I managed to reap the rewards of all the terrible ones in that one moment. Yeah. I think it's like that moment where you're like, oh, I'm emceeing and it's less hard than it was before. And now it's less hard. Now it's less hard. And suddenly you are not just doing this as a hobby. You're actually working full time and it's amazing. Yeah. It's um, little steps. Yeah. And they say that it takes about 10 years, right, to get i don't know i don't know that i don't know that it 
anyone can tell you how long it's going to take you. No. How long did it take you? To to what? To like, to sort of go pro? Yeah, to get to a point where you're like, I'm pro. About five years of like, then, then I was like working all the time. Yeah. But some people crack it real quick, you know, like within a year. Yeah. Um, and some people it takes a bit longer. I don't know. It always de- it also depends what's going on in your life. That's like it's true. not a normal job to be able to sort of suddenly throw away all other safety nets. Do you know what I mean? It's it's it, it doesn't make as much sense to do that as it does with other jobs. Yeah. Particularly the pandemic has shown us that. I think yeah, and also it's um, you know, it, there's there's a lot of day outside those 20 minutes. Yeah, that is also true. I say that like, I, uh, that sounds like I spend so much of my time doing really useful, productive things. I want to be very clear that I don't. Uh, <laughs> I very, promise you. Very, very clear about that. I mean, I did, <laughs> I did some work for a beauty brand today, which was, uh, it was like, um, I was adding wit, I, I believe was the uh, brief. And, um, and I think... Oh yeah, and I'm writing something else. But yeah, like there's a lot of day, but I don't want I don't want that to come across like I'm an annoying person who schedules every minute to do something productive and then makes everyone else feel bad about it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's fair. Um, how long did it take before you started calling yourself a comedian as well? I think that one's interesting. I don't know. Um, quite a long time because I felt like an idiot, <laughs> mm. and also because people always end up going um tell us a joke or yeah. I don't think women are funny yeah like, that, that was a while ago I suppose people maybe don't say that about women anymore but um I did have that once my friend introduced me to this guy at a party and she's like this is Andrew he's a she's a comedian and I wouldn't have done that but he immediately was like oh I don't think women are funny <laughs> and I just was like okay and I just turned and walked away so I was like, well, that's that's the end of that conversation. And he was like, well, where are you going? I was like, well, I don't know how I could possibly talk to you anymore. Like, you've just told me I can't do my job. I can't see where the conversation can possibly go. So we'll change my mind. I was like, no, like, obviously not. Like, it's, you change your mind. I'd, I'd, that, like, you've just negated it. I, I can't, to me, it's not a conversation. So I can't, I, it's not a conversation that needs to be had ever in The Guardian ever again. It's so silly. Yeah, and it's so weird. People say that a lot um, when I first started. Yeah, I think they still do, and it's so weird. They say it to you. Oh, well, there was that guy who came up to both of us that time, wasn't there? Yeah, he went, he turned to me and went, you clearly weren't the professional. I was like, thank you. (laughs) Oh, God, he started giving me loads, but we were the only two women on the bill, and he started giving me loads of advice about my, uh, the way I did my jokes. Um, And I kept saying, I don't want your opinion, and he just kept giving it. And I kept saying it and he just kept giving it. It was, uh, it was quite, quite something. But what you didn't appreciate there, Andrew, was he was an, an old man. Oh, yeah. No, I know. He really was. <laughs> but he, he'd also never done comedy, so I should have taken him seriously. Exactly. He had been to that comedy venue once. Once, once just the once. And he had so many opinions. Look, I know what that's like. I have opinions about everything all day every single day the difference is sir <laughs> I don't tell them to the people I'm having them about because that's rude and I'd get punched exactly 
it's so funny. I don't, why just why anyway like just say it to your friend say so I, I liked her but here's what she could have done and then he'll go oh I never thought of it like that and they'll have a lovely drink talking about how much better I could have been and how yeah. you weren't very professional <laughs> <laughs> exactly it's fine <laughs> but I do think so like I feel horrible because I was part of the I don't find women funny camp as a teenager oh were you really I was and I distinctly remember saying it to somebody who I am now friends with and it makes me feel disgusted but but you didn't my... write it in a tweet am I right no I didn't no. thank god there's no evidence <laughs> it's fine she probably doesn't even remember but I think yeah that... women and their little brains you know what they're like <laughs> <laughs> but um I think it was because as a teenager, just women were not on the television doing comedy, really. I so think that that's a little bit of a cop out. I think that's not 100% true. There weren't as many, um, yeah. but there were enough women that you couldn't say women weren't funny, but you could allow or not um, subconsciously, and I think myself included, allow sexism to make us believe that they were the exception. Yes, and I see what I mean. Yeah, and there's a lot of internalized misogyny. Oh, I mean, I had loads of it. Trust yeah. me. <laughs> I used to do a whole um, routine about how, um, even though I'm a hardcore feminist, which I 100% am, I still prefer a male pilot. And I'm, <laughs> I'm ashamed. I'm disgusted. Uh, and now I seek out female pilots in order to give myself exposure therapy. <laughs> I'll only fly with a female pilot. I'll only fly with a woman because of how much I don't want to and I don't <laughs> trust us. But that that is pure internalised nonsense, misogyny. Nonsense, nonsense, nonsense that we all internalise. But there were women on TV, French and Saunders, Victoria Wood, like everyone was on TV. But we, because there were so few of them, we thought that they were more, they were lad-like. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And they were sort of, funny because they were keeping up with the men rather than just funny yeah and I think um I mean I don't know like I I don't know that I thought that way about you know Prunella Scales in Faulty Towers I just thought she was unbelievable you know yeah I think it like because it was Mock the Week and uh, uh, you know uh, all of the the, the panel shows that mm. the BBC ended up having to have a, a lady quarter <laughs> didn't they? Um, the thing is, the problem with that, right, is quotas are only a problem when people find out about them. Don't get me wrong, quotas mm. are a problem, of course they are. But like, if we're being like realistic, like I know that like when we were growing up, schools had quotas. Like back in the sort of early nineties, it wasn't talked about, but they did. They had quotas of groups of people. I'm not going to get more specific than that. But as long mm. as nobody knew about it. But once people found out about quotas, they got really up in arms, as they should. But, mm. but if you don't know, so the BBC, it's like, why do you announce it, you weirdo? Just do it. Like, yeah. I'm not saying it's right. Obviously, it's stupid and irritating. But if you're going to do that, if you're going to, like, pick your nose and eat it, don't take a photo and put it on Instagram. Do you know what I mean? Like, just, just be chill. The BBC. Yeah. No, I entirely agree. And I think... Uh, that was the the most upsetting part. It was like, look how great we are. No, you, no, no, you're not. <laughs> I mean, 
I think that, you know, I think that there was lots of work to be done. It's being done. It's good that it's being done. It's, it's just, you know, it, no need to self-congratulate in an email. No, <laughs> you know? just fucking do it. <laughs> well, yeah, precisely. But I, I was um, not, I, I was much more, I was always much more of a sitcom person than a panel person. I yeah. love a sitcom. I love a story. What's your What's your faves? What did you grow up on? I mean, all sorts of stuff. My parents used to like Cheers. Um, yeah. Recent stuff I've really liked. I loved um, Brooklyn Nine Nine. I'm really loving Barry at the moment. It's so good. Um, and uh, I like Mythic Quest. You'd like Mythic Quest. I've not seen I'm it. No. You're a gamer, right? Yeah. But not as much as I assumed you were, just from how you looked, given from your response, correct? <laughs> yes. Am I right? Yeah. I have, I have like three games that I like. Yeah, so I assumed you were a gamer girl based purely on looks. Yeah. And you're like, God, I get this all the time. A hundred percent, yeah. Sorry about that, mate. Yeah, so you're, you're a hardcore gamer, right? Right, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, of the sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. And the red no. hair, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, at least we all know how prejudiced we are. At least it's not a negative. But it's, uh, it's basically, it's set at the sort of, you know, the, the like HQ development centre of this massive online game. And it's, it's really amazing. They did one of the best uh, quarantine episodes I've ever seen. It was, it's really great, great show. The amount of uh, sitcoms that you see that had to like contrive a isolation quarantine type scenario and then as we sat and watched them in lockdown we're like oh oh how wrong you were yeah it's not it's not like this <laughs> yeah it's horrible but no they did a really really good meaningful what was meaningful just it was kind of heartfelt and also funny but yeah it was at a time when everyone was feeling so very broken it was actually a really lovely one I highly recommend it but obviously I recommend the whole season they've got one of the best psychopath teenage girl characters I've ever seen oh my god I love it because teenage girls are the worst well teenage girls are natural psychopaths and yeah. this one is a psychopath she's about 20 she's about a psychopath on a psychopath she's amazing oh wow that sounds great so well I feel like because we're, we're sort of coming to the end of our time I would like us to kind of end on a high. Okay. What, <laughs> so if you could just uh, do that line uh, of, of cup. Um, yeah, I was about to say, I, I genuinely <laughs> felt like you were about to offer me some cocaine. I was like, if you can get that from your house to my house, <laughs> though I haven't in a thousand years, sure. If you're able to do that, I'll do it. Yeah. Uh, but, no, um, I was going to ask you, what has your favourite job been? What's your best job been? The best job I ever had was yeah. um was when I was like in my early 20s I was friends with these people who ran this sauna that used to travel around uh, festivals it was like right. a wood-burning sauna that they would set up and we had this whole big camp it was called Lost Horizon and I would go around uh, festivals in summer with them uh, camping and uh, working at the sauna and it gave me this lifelong love of wood-burning uh, Swedish saunas and I'm thinking genuinely of building one in my garden because I think they're amazing and so good for the soul but yeah that was really fun I used, to, I used to go to the Glastonbury with them every year and just it was just uh we used to camp up in the healing fields and uh just got paid to sauna <laughs> and it was That's, really fun 
That sounds amazing. Your pause must have been so clear. You've got no idea. Like truly, unless you spent a week saunering in a wood-burning sauna, you don't know what glowing skin is. And I say that working for a skincare brand where I've used the word glowing skin a lot. That sounds so much fun. Yeah, it was probably, uh, it was a great time. It was a great time. How many, was it like, again, seasonal? Or was it year uh, round? Yeah, that was definitely a summer job. I am not. I am not a happy camper in the winter. I'm barely a happy camper in the summer. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if you can tell by my everything, but I'm not a camper. You're like I'm barely happy. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> barely got the will to get up in the morning, let alone erect a tent. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, that is absolutely fair. Um, well, I think that that has that has pretty much been our time here. Um, okay. where where can people find you? Have you got anything you to find plug? Me on Twitter at, at Shut Up Andrea. I do have an Instagram, but it's literally just got one picture of a condom on it. I'm going to do <laughs> something about it at some point. Um, I am not doing a stand-up show at the moment, but um, find me on Twitter uh, or come to one of my shows. You can check my website, andreahubert.com. Perfect. Uh, well, thank you for being on here. Oh, well, thank you for having me. I hope it was everything you dreamed of. And and more. <laughs> and so much more. And also with you. Lovely. <laughs> oh, thanks for having me, Catherine. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.